Hi, and welcome to today's podcast on heroic optimizations. This is Cliff Click, and I'm here to talk today about some of the core guts of Java Virtual Machines. So, you know, how did I get here? Well, somebody on Twitter asked, how does the JVM do some of its core, cool, uh, jitting coding optimizations? And, and then, you know, the term heroic optimizations is an internal uh, JVM JIT, hotspot JIT jargon term. And what does it mean? Why do you care? So this is a, a bit of implementation history of the core guts of the Java virtual machine. And it's not, you know, sort of necessary or useful sort of in daily life, but it's nice to know what goes on inside the Java virtual machine. So this is part and parcel of what's in, in the core guts. So what do I mean by heroic optimization? It's an optimization that depends on, it, it's heroic in the sense that we're, we're really hoping something will work out, and in practice, sometimes it doesn't. So it, it's heroic in the sense that you take a big reach, a big stretch for an optimization, and later you get proven wrong and you have to unwind. So let me back up a little bit and say, what do I mean by optimization and what do I mean by unwinding? The core observation here is that the generated code has a lifetime. It has a, a time when it doesn't exist. There's some profiling that says, hey, we need some code here for this method that keeps getting executed in something that doesn't have code, so this would be interpreter. Um, the code gets generated, the code gets executed, it runs for a while, and then there comes a time when we say, hey, this code's no good anymore, we have to get rid of it. We have to not let it get executed anymore, and then we have to throw it away. And so there's a life cycle to the code. And that was a big stretch. That was one of the major uh, observations of, of uh, you know, the, the jitting process was you know, not just high quality code getting made, but code had a lifetime and then you could say, this code's no good no more, I'm gonna throw it away. And you know, when did you have that and why did you wanna throw code away? Well, the reason to throw code away was that you first did an optimization that relied on something that was true at one point and later became not true. And the common one people talk about is overloading of methods. You have a class, it has, you know, there's an, there's an initial abstract base class, there is an initial implementation class which overrides an abstract method. There's only one implementer of the abstract method. So when you see a call to the base class, maybe it's an interface, maybe it's an abstract class, um, you know that the type of the called method and the type of the only possible object is what it is. So you do, and that observation is called class hierarchy analysis. You look at the class hierarchy, you analyze the class hierarchy, and decide only one kind of class has an a, a implementation for this method, and therefore that can be the only kind of object at that point, and the call site is only going to call the one target method. So you can take a virtual call that's virtual in the classic C++ sense, or just the standard non-final call in the Java sense, and know that you're only going to do one target, and so you don't have to do the overhead of doing the lookup, uh, the, the virtual call lookup. And you, you move the call from being virtual to being a static call. So now that it's static, the compiler has the option to go to the next step and inline it. And inlining is the biggest single optimization uh, any of these languages do. You know, lack of inlining uh, drives slowness in languages that are, have too much abstraction, you can't figure out what the target is. And the presence and the ability to do inlining brings about all the following optimizations. You have to have all the following ones the standard good jitter has to do. Great register allocation, great you know code code generation in general, great loop optimizations, great everything else. But those are all pretty classic standard things. Um, yes, there's some work to make them happen, but you kind of assume them as a base. Once they're in place and running, the next thing that happens is the context 
of the code you're optimizing is too small because there's function calls everywhere. And to get rid of function calls everywhere, you do it by, well, by inlining. Um, and then as you inline, you get more and more code into a single compilation unit, and all the other optimizations get to pay off and, and really get the good code out. So you want to inline these virtual calls. Okay, great. Now that I'm inlining them, what happens when a new subclass gets loaded on the same abstract class? Well, as soon as I make a new instance of an object, within a clock cycle after making that object, I could make a function call against it. I could store it in a virtual, I'm sorry, get this correct. I could store it in a, in a global uh, variable, have another thread pick it up, immediately make a virtual call on it, and execute it as if it was, you know, you know, in the same piece of hot inline code. So it could be that I've got this jitted pile of code where the, you know, class A has been inlined and is running well. There's a hot loop where it's spinning tightly over calls that are inline versions of the virtual call. A new class gets loaded. An instance of B gets made within a clock cycle of B getting made, gets stored in a global. Thread number one picks it up, and instead of making a call to A.virtual, he now makes a call to B.virtual, but he's running in this hot jitted code, and he discover he does well, he has to discover that it's the wrong code now. He can't actually continue running in that code. So you have to unwind the code. And, and what happened here was we had a heroic optimization. We heroically assumed no one would ever subclass A ever again. And lo and behold, we were wrong. And at the time that we're wrong, we need to do something about it. So at the time that we're making the heroic optimization, we drop a bunch of breadcrumbs down on class A saying, we made some code that assumes that A, class A, never gets subclassed or never overrides the following method. So if later a class comes along, they, that subclass is A, they go look at the set of breadcrumbs that are left on A that refer to all the different pieces of code that got made, and they check all the constraints for that code. And if any of those constraints are getting blown by this new class that gets loaded, before we let that class get loaded, so we stop the class loading process for the new subclass B, and we unwind all the code that, that is, requires that A not have a subclass. Right, and so unwinding that code requires us to do all kinds of fancy stuff, and deoptimization is one of them. And I'm not here to talk about that, but you had to have a life cycle, and so you had to blow down the code that required this heroic optimization to not fail. So when it failed, you had to unwind. Okay, so so making your making that happen, getting your head wrapped around that, getting the safe, correct unwind, the perfectly correct. There's like I said, it was down to the clock cycle. When you make a new instance of B within a clock cycle later. Um, you know, another thread could pick it up and run with it and be calling your wrong code. Um, so you had to get the synchronization correct there on when you unwound that class. Some other times we do heroic optimizations are, for instance, um, we could heroically assume a field is always null. And when we assume it's always null, if you store a not null value in, we have to wipe out the, the code that does something about it. Another one is we can say a branch is never taken, and this goes hand in hand with field not null. Instead of looking for a store into the field that changes it to not null, we can simply say in this, you know, this path through the code where you uh, uh, look at the value and it's never null or never not null either way, uh, is never taken in practice. And that means uh, we've actually profiled. So commonly you loaded a field and you said, if it's not null, take field.foo and go to town and do it. But the, that's all done in the interpreter or maybe in the first stage of compilation. And you simply annotated the code to say, did this branch take or not take? And you counted the number of times it took and not took. So when it comes around to the heavyweight compiler, he can look and say, 
I loaded a field, I tested it for nullness, it's, it's never failed this test, or it's always failed this test, test only goes one way or the other, and so I'm not going to compile the other direction, the not taken direction. Instead, I'm going to bail out to the interpreter. And this kind of heroic optimization is a lot easier to recover from because it doesn't require multi-threaded behavior. If a thread runs through and the test fails, it goes the other way, he ends up going off into the interpreter synchronously on the spot. There's no multi-threaded access. And so there can be lots of threads that fail it all at once. It's common if you have many threads running through the same piece of code, and they're all running hot executed in your hotly jitted same piece of code, and then you change some fundamental property, they all fail the test at the same time. And they all run in the interpreter at the same time, and that's great. But now you need to go through and take this piece of code and recompile it knowing the branch could go both directions now. It's been always going one way, now it goes both ways. So what is the gain to having a branch that only goes one way? What is the JIT? Uh, uh, get out of it. Why is it? Why is it an optimization? Is it heroic because we're assuming it never happens? But why is it an optimization? Well, at the time there was a split in the control flow. There was I went left or I went right. I, it was true or false or whatever. But you chopped off from the compiler's point of view one path to the interpreter, and you knew that that path just just didn't happen. Um, that meant that there was no merging path later on where the two halves of the branches fell back together. So once you've passed this test, say you tested it for null, and the answer comes back is it's always not null, and the null side goes to the interpreter, later on it's common that you ended up testing it for null again, and again, and again, and again, and again. All those paths all can fail out to the interpreter, but in fact only the first one actually needs to be tested. The value is now known to be not null, and all the remaining tests for nullness will always go the true side, and they're constants, and they can be folded up by the compiler, and you end up with one nullness test for this value, and not dozens and dozens, which are sort of specked out by the interpreted version of things, and one branch off to the interpreter, and all the rest is just straight line code. You know, there's no, there's no, there's no test involved. You know for a fact it's true or it's not true. Another heroic optimization that happens is that you're testing for nullness uh, a, a field load. Not the contents of the load, but the value that you're loading through. So you're, you're doing a pointer dereference in the classic C and C++ syntax. You're asking for an instance field of some class member, and you need to test for null. That's part of the spec for doing a, a load field or a store field that the base pointer is not null. If you know that it doesn't fail or hasn't, you haven't seen a fail so far, you can go to the next step and say, fails are extremely rare here, and maybe it actually could fail. I'm sorry, let me back up. It could be failing, but extremely rarely. You can do that test by taking a, a hardware no-pointer exception, and then if it is in fact, you know, you take that exception, you have to go unwind the exception, realize you, you dereference the no-pointer, and realize it was just a version of control flow, it just with a very slow off-branch. So, you know, classic x86, you would put a test for null normally, and the null could be predicted by the hardware correctly, yes, and mispredicted in like 30 clocks, and predictions like half a clock or less because it's wide issue goes through, it's great. But you still cost something to make a prediction. If you put the, I'm going to use the hardware null dereference hack in, it's literally zero for the test if it succeeds, but if it fails, it's like 10,000 clocks or 100,000 clocks. It's like really slow. But there comes a fail rate that is so low that it's the better way to go it, to do it. And, and totally the JIT does that. It looks for a low enough fail rate and says, hey, you know, we're going to flip you to being uh, 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 branched using a uh, load dereference. 
And now when I say, you know, load to reference, um, it doesn't have to be that you're doing a null check that's built into a, a classic uh, Java bytecode for doing a load uh, value or a store value. It's the case that you can do a load dereference as a null pointer check even if the branch is built into the Java level. Somebody says, if pointer is not null, do pointer under field and blah, 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 blah. Okay, they wrote that field check in the Java language. There's a bytecode that says test for null. And then if it's not null, go do a field reference on it. It could be that the JIT does its profiling and says, well, pointer's never null. Um, I'm just going to do the Java version of the null pointer check hand in hand with the, the, you know, the, the load to reference as my null pointer check. And it's a version of heroic optimization. I'm claiming something about the profile, which happens to be true. That's my heroic part. And the optimization part is I got to do a faster branch. So that's a you know heroic optimization. So what other kinds of heroic optimizations in there? Um, boy, it's hard for me to, to list them all. Um, there's a lots like null pointer checks uh, are very common, but range checks happen a lot. There's also range checks where there's multiple paths through the code where you only test at different offsets. And we take the maximum across all offsets and do one check. And that's heroic in the sense that if you fail that check, you might succeed on a tighter check. But if the profiler says you're not failing that check, you can get away with having fewer checks. So that would be a case where I did array at i plus 0, i plus 1, i plus 2, i plus 3. Well, up front, I'll do i plus 3 heroically. And I might pass 0 and 1 and fail i plus 2. But in practice, I've seen that I'm only passing i plus 3. Now I only need one check instead of four, and I check i plus 3, and then I'm done. It, that's a different test, by the way, than range check elimination, which is done around loop bodies, uh, which I will claim is not heroic in that sense. Although if you reach a path where you're throwing an exception in the code, it's commonly the case that you took a branch you didn't take before. So a common heroic optimization is simply to say, uh, there is a test which has yet to fail, so I'm going to heroically assume it does not and just cut it off and go to the interpreter on that path. There's a lot of uh, uh, optimizations around instance of uh, tests and, and various kinds of class casts. Like, you know, generics, you get a lot of silent casts put in the code that never fail. So we'll heroically assume that they won't and cut off those off paths. But furthermore, we'll heroically assume that they're correct sort of very early in the code and hoist the, the cast check way up where you might have some other tests that, you know, cut you off and you don't, would never run the class check, but it's more convenient to do it earlier and get it over with. And having got it over with, you know, now it's good and forever. Biased, uh, biased locking makes a heroic optimization which says the first thread who grabs this lock is the only thread that's ever going to grab it. Make a new object. You call some library, call it locks the object. You do your thing. The object's dead, never goes away. In this piece of code, that object is only ever locked by the first guy. So he wants to heroically lock it. And then never again do anything with locking, including unlock it or relock it or anything else, and move values across the locking boundaries because no other thread's ever going to lock it. So the library calls says lock and unlock and lock and unlock and lock and unlock. And in, in, in the actual generated code, the compiler said, I took the lock speculatively. No one happens to ever unlock it. During the execution of all the other lock and unlock, lock and unlock pairs, I'm going to throw that all away, run it all together in one big wad of code, and have a you know, more optimal version. So that's a heroic optimization on locking. 
Um, I don't know. I remember all the other ones I've done, but there were you know several dozen of these heroic optimizations put in at the time I left you know the Java team you know more than a decade ago, and th there were some big ones, but there was enough of them that the sum total meant you got to do a lot of really good optimizations that started with a profile that said, "Hey." While there's a weird bad off case, it just never happens in practice. And so we'll just do the minimal test we need to get past knowing you know, what happens if it were to happen. And enough breadcrumbs we can recover from it. And then we'll just optimize the dickens out of it after that. And that just turns out to be a really nice way to get good performance out of things um, in code that has all these horrible you know, edge and error cases and you know, try-finallys and stuff. They don't happen in practice based on the profile, minimal test. Cut everything off to the interpreter if it actually goes the bad route and straight line, you know, optimize that straight line path where, where all the tests go the good way. All right, well, that's probably enough games around, you know, what a heroic optimization is. And uh, this has been Cliff Click, and may all your uh, heroically optimized programs run fast and well. Thanks, bye bye.